For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and withholding it, uh, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now, we read these words from the book of Isaiah last week. We talked about these and we, uh, as we began our Advent journey. And we discussed the content of this, that these words, these words were written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And as I talked about last week in the message, it's important for us to understand that as we read words like this, that we don't immediately go to this place where we see this as something about Jesus. Instead, what's important to do is recognize that this was written in a particular context at a particular time about a particular situation. Now, that's how we look at all of Scripture. Even when we come into passages and we look at passages, we look at them and we talk about the context of that passage. We might talk about the language of that passage. We might talk about the historical context of that passage. We might talk about what that passage might mean in relation to other passages around it and around the scripture because we're trying to understand the context of which it was written to and the audience of the people of whom it was written to. And then from there, we can begin to extrapolate and begin to understand what does this then mean for us today? Now, that is a holy act of interpretation and something that I take very seriously as we come into the scriptures every single week because I want to take the scriptures seriously. And to do that, I want to hear the context. I want to see what's happening. I want to see what is taking place. And so as we come to this passage, this familiar passage at Christmas, we come to a passage again, written 700 years before the birth of Jesus, that was written into a particular context. But then something incredible began to take place. After the birth, the life, the death, and then the resurrection of Jesus, as people began to tell the story, as people began to hear the stories of his birth, of his life, of his death, his resurrection, of his teaching, as they began to understand more about Jesus, as the church was birthed, as this reality of the kingdom of God began to live out in this world, people began to look back and they began to see whispers of Jesus in the scriptures. They began to see the ways that these scriptures began to be fulfilled in the life of Jesus. They began to see the way that these words were beginning to be utilized and used and repeated in different ways all down throughout history, leading into the New Testament books that told the stories of the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And they began to find this meaning in these words. And they began to become part of the story, become to become part of the traditions. But what we found out last week is that we don't rush to that place. We don't rush to that place where we see the whispers of the Messiah, of Jesus in these passages, but instead we slow down. We look at the context of what is taking place. And the context that we found last week as we discovered this was this is a passage filled with hopelessness. 
And this is so important for us to see because that is the story. That is where we find the people before the birth of Jesus in a place of hopelessness. That was true at the time of the birth of Jesus. That was true at the time when this passage was written 700 years ago. The people of Israel at that time were threatened by invasion by the kingdom of Assyria coming in from the north to attack the kingdom. Now, this is a story that we find in the Old Testament that was repeated over and over and over again. The names might be different. The kingdoms attacking might look different. The kingdoms attempting to conquer may be different. But they're told over and over again of invasion, of defeat, of conquest by an empire. So we see that here with the kingdom of Assyria coming in. And this is the context of this Isaiah passage. The kingdom of Assyria coming in to attack, to have conquest, to take over this land and these people. Now, when Jesus was born, the same thing had taken place. The Romans had conquered the kingdoms. The Roman had conquered this area. And so these people were under rule by the Roman Empire. So there was also a sense of hopelessness there. And then what we begin to see as we get into the New Testament is this opening up of this idea of not just a physical reality of conquest and being captured by something, but seeing that as a spiritual reality in reference to our sin and to our way of life. And we see that Jesus as the Messiah brings a true new kingdom into this world, gives us freedom in our lives brings us peace and hope and love and mercy and grace and forgiveness, tells us to live that out. And as we live that out, these words become so much more rich and so much more true. There is no end to his kingdom when there are people who continue to abide and live by his kingdom, to live by his teaching, to live by his grace, to live by his truth, to see freedom in his life and his death and his resurrection. And so as we come back to this, we begin to see how this passage begins to have so much fulfillment. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Now in the passage that we're going to look at today, as we continue this Advent story, and we get into the familiar story of the birth of Jesus, we're going to see some of the hope that these words in Isaiah how they were echoed in the promises given to Mary, the mother of Jesus. We're going to see how these words spoke to that context 700 years before the birth of Jesus and then began to be echoed into the promises that they were then given to Mary, the promises that we begin to see about Jesus. But we're not going to begin with Mary this morning. Instead, as we go to Luke 1, we back up to the very beginning of the story and we begin with another story today of her relative, her cousin, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, and the hope that they had found. Remember, again, that Isaiah passage said there was hopelessness, but Isaiah says, but there is hope. There is a lack of peace. There is fear, but Isaiah says there is peace to be found. He says, there is a reality of darkness surrounding us. And he says, but there is light coming. And so in the same way, we see that promise to Mary. We see that promise to Elizabeth. We'll see that promise to Zechariah. That in hopelessness comes hope. In fear becomes peace. And then in that reality of darkness, we find light. 
Let's take our time this morning and let's allow the story to speak to us as I read these words today. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, God was promising Zechariah a child. Zechariah, his childless, goes into this temple, the only priest, the only one allowed at that time. They, they, they had lots. They, 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 they had um, different ways that they would pick who would get to go, and so it was by chance, and so he was picked. And so he would go into this temple, he'd burn this incense, he sees this angel who begins to speak to him these incredible words, promises a child, and like any of us, Zechariah has some serious questions. So we read on, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And I just want you to just imagine this for a moment. If you, if you are okay with it, close your eyes for a second. I just want you to imagine this scene because I want this story to speak to us today. It not just be words, but for us to imagine, to feel ourselves amid the story. And imagine being a part of that crowd. So just take a second with me. Just imagine you're outside that temple. Zechariah goes in. He begins to take a really long time to do this task. Maybe you begin to mumble a little bit. What's taking that guy so long? What's going on in there? He comes out. He's unable to speak and the look on his eyes, his face, the, the way that he's motioning, the things that he's doing, everybody begins to go, hey, so, something just happened here. 
something just took place. Maybe somebody yells out, I think he saw a vision. And everybody goes, what? Well, he was in the most holy place. It was in the very presence of God. In that moment, in that place, in that space. This is where something like that would take place, right? And so all of a sudden, everybody begins to realize that something had been taking place here. Something had happened. He kept making these signs. He can't talk. Eventually, everybody goes, I don't know. He can't tell us something special happened that we don't know. So then it goes on. It says, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now listen, in this story, just like I talked about with Isaiah, listen, in this story, we see fear and then we see peace. We see hopelessness, but hope. We see darkness, but light. We see that God was at work. Was at work, excuse me. God was at work. Through Zechariah, through Elizabeth, he was making possible what had seemed impossible to them. He was making possible what seemed impossible to the people around them. He was making possible what seemed impossible to the culture around them, to their society around them. He begins to make possible what seemed to impossible. And in that, their fear turns to peace. Their hopelessness turns to hope. Their darkness turns to light. Now in Nazareth, Elizabeth's relative, Mary, was about to receive amazing news too. Impossible made possible. Fear but peace and hopelessness but hope and darkness but light. It goes on, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, we had talked about this last week, and I think this is important for us just to kind of come back to for just a second. I, I talked about it more in detail in last week, but I'll just talk about this for a second. There's a fascinating connection here that I just think is amazing. As we go back to that Isaiah passage, we talk about that Assyria was attacking from the north, and we see that in that passage in Isaiah, he begins to talk about that there will be light amid the darkness in Galilee in the north. Now, this is what is so cool and so amazing about the scripture. I talked about the echoes, the whispers that we see through the scriptures. We know the name of Joseph. We know that they're in Nazareth. We know they're in Galilee. But as we look back on history, we begin to have an idea, a sense of how that took place. See, Joseph's family wasn't from there originally, which is why they go back to Bethlehem, right? But he got there through this mass migration that began to take place of the people because that area had cleared out of people. Many of those people had been taken in the conquest. And so in a repopulation, in a migration shift, all of these families began to move up into this area, including Joseph's family. So now we begin to see Luke here connecting back to that and saying that there is this man named Joseph who was a descendant of David. He is from the place where King David was from. He's a descendant of David. Now we look back to that passage again. Do you see the whispers here that they begin to talk about? They begin to say, he will reign on David's throne, right? So here's these connections, these whispers, these echoes happening. 
It says that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee. And so now we see again this connection. Galilee was this place in Isaiah's time of deep darkness that had a lot of fear and hopelessness because of this reality of this conquest of this Assyrian army coming. But he said, there is a light coming. There is hope. There is peace. There is a light coming here. Now we begin to see those echoes being lived out. This angel comes to Galilee, to that area, to bring the story, to bring the promise, to tell Mary, hey, there is a light, and you will carry that light and bring that light into this world. It went on, it says, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her, and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, just as we saw with Zechariah, Mary had serious questions about this whole situation. She begins to ask some questions too, as any of us would do. An angel shows up, begins to say, hey, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. What are you talking about? It says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, and we love these words, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great. And we will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Let me go back to that Isaiah passage. You see the echoes, the whispers. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. Again, we, we don't lose the context of the passage 700 years before the birth of Jesus, but we begin to see the way that people began to see the whispers, began to see the echoes, began to hear these promises, began to understand these texts, how they spoke to that time and how they began to speak to them here. And so Luke tells us that Gabriel began to say some of these words, began to repeat some of these echoes for us. His kingdom will never end. And Mary, again, with questions. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Then the angel made a connection to Elizabeth and begins to tie the pieces together. We read on. Even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. In those final words of Mary, Mary chose to trust God in the impossible. And then I think one of the coolest things happens in this story. See this next scene? It, it's almost like a movie. It reflects this bond of family that we have at Christmas. And, and I love how it shows up here. So what I want you to do again is we thought about Zechariah as we imagine the scene in our minds. I want you to imagine this scene as well because I think it's just this incredible, beautiful picture of this family of Mary and Elizabeth, the promises that are told them and the excitement in the moment. I imagine Elizabeth opening the door. I imagine them hugging. I imagine the excitement that they have as family of seeing each other. So I want you to, again, 
again, you can close your eyes if you want to imagine that. Just, just hear the story more than just words today. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I love how that, that says that. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she just shouts this out in absolute excitement. Can you hear the scene? Can you see the door opening? Can you see the celebration? Can you see, can you feel that? How we feel that at Christmas, we get with family as we get together and just the excitement that begins to take place. Maybe it wears off after a few days, but that initial excitement that we have, right? And she has that, that holy, the Holy Spirit comes into her life and she begins to shout this out. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This feels like this huge crescendo happens here. Then the story comes to a conclusion and we begin to see all these pieces coming together as the promises of God are fulfilled. And as the story closes, we come back. The scene shifts. We go back to Elizabeth and Zechariah. It says Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. So that crowd that we saw stand outside the temple, you can sort of imagine this picture of them kind of moving along in the crowd. And here they come over to the house now, and they show up, and, and they want to share in the joy of the experience of what's taking place. It says, on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called. John. Now, this doesn't make sense to anyone there. But Elizabeth remembered the promise. But, but they said to her, they said, there is no one among you with a relative who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And just like Mary sang the promises of God at the end 
uh, in, in, those, in those last verses in 46 through 55, Zechariah gives us these words. It says, His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his prophets, holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. In this story, in this text, in this chapter that we read today, in these 79 verses of Scripture, we see the hope of the Messiah becoming fulfilled where nobody was looking, where impossible seemed to dwell. But we saw the echoes, we saw the whispers, we saw the ways that that passage in Isaiah began to be looked at again. As people began to hear the words, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Impossible seemed to dwell, yet possible showed up. Mary thought she wasn't ready. Elizabeth shot, thought, thought she was too old. But as we always see, nothing is impossible with God. Because with God, we find impossible made possible. With God, we find fear made into peace. We find hopelessness made into hope. We see darkness turning to light. And in these stories, we find the echoes of this promise made long, long, long ago. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for these stories told and shared, written down, preserved throughout history. Stories that we can come back to over and over and over again. Stories that spoke to the people who experienced them firsthand. Stories that, that spoke to the generations immediately after. And stories that down throughout history that come to us, that continue to speak to us. That remind us of the wonder, of the love, of the beauty 
the story of the birth of Christ. A story that, ju- that doesn't just speak to us, but through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit, connects to our hearts, drawing us in, reminding us of your forgiveness and your love and your grace and your mercy and your invitation to follow the way of Jesus. God, we thank you that then and now in our lives today, you make impossible possible, that you make fear into peace, that you make hopelessness into hope, and that in darkness you bring light. May we in this season slow down, experience the story, let the wonder wash over us, and help us to see the incredible beauty in the story of the birth of Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.